even in sports generally, there's not as much out there speaking to women. And especially in the betting space, whether it's the sports books themselves, whether it's media companies, everything's really targeting one demographic of avid bettors. And so we're trying to create inclusive content that speaks to a variety of people. Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear my chat with Jamie from The Gaming Society, which is a betting education company on a mission to build an inclusive community that ignites the sports fan in us all. Jamie's background in sports management and sports media is unmatched, and she shares a lot about her 25-year career journey that includes co-founding the Players' Tribune with Derek Jeter, which popularized the idea of empowering athletes to own their narrative. She also talks about the work her team is doing at the Gaming Society to drive interest and engagement in women's sports, including through their partnership with the WNBA. She also discusses her perspective on fundraising and company building, and why she believes that having conviction over consensus is so important for entrepreneurs. Jamie's one of my favorite guests yet, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But before we get started, the iGaming Next New York City event just wrapped up to rave reviews, and the team behind it's already focusing on its second major event of the year, iGaming Next Valletta. Join over 4,000 industry leaders from around the world in Malta on the 21st and 22nd of June to network, learn, and have fun with the biggest names in iGaming, Web3, marketing, investments, and beyond. Register now at www.igamingnext.com. All right, we're back and rolling with episode 62 of the Betting Startups podcast. And I'm legitimately excited for this one because I have Jamie from the Gaming Society here, which I've been super intrigued by since I first subscribed to your daily newsletter in July 2021, I think. But I've been keenly following the Gaming Society story from a distance ever since. So really excited to have you here, Jamie. Thanks for finding some time to jump on. How are things on your end today? Awesome. No, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you and share more about what we have cooking. But yeah, things are good. Well, look, lots to talk about with the Gaming Society, but we're going to start at the very beginning here with yourself, Jamie. Obviously, you've been around the, the betting and media space for a long time, and we'll get into all that. But just for the benefit of folks listening that may not be familiar with yourself, can you just give us a bit of a background around who you are, maybe some of the chapters of your journey up until you founded the Gaming Society? Of course, yeah. I've worked in sports for probably over 20, 25 years. I got my start really representing athletes. I worked for Jeff Schwartz for a long time. I was started with him at IMG where we represented Pete Sampras, Marcelo Rios, and Martina Hingis. And then I ended up leaving with him and ended up starting a company called Excel Sports Management, where we represented NBA players in the beginning. Our starting five was Paul Pierce, Jerry Stackhouse, Jason Kidd, Lamar Odom, and Tyson Chandler. And I just, I really helped more on the management slash intersection of management and marketing and really started to innovate, I think, on how we built brands and really represented athletes for full service management. And then, you know, it grew into a one of the biggest agencies. I was the CMO, Derek Jeter's agent joined, Tiger Woods agent joined. And I started to get to know Derek and was helping him with his post-career strategy. And we really connected on this idea of empowering athletes to have a voice and to be, how do we give athletes tools to be able to own their narrative and own their story. And so we connected and right as he was about to retire, we decided to launch this company called the Players Tribune. And we launched it the day after his last game, um, which was in 2014. And so that's when the Players Tribune, you know, was born. We had athletes talking about retirement. Kobe announced his retirement. Kevin Durant announced when he was going to Golden State. Kevin Love talked about mental health and just really proud of the stories. We gave a lot of visibility to women athletes and 
and turned a lot of stories into whether it's long form. We sold a show to Netflix called Untold, um, which I'm super proud of. There's 10 episodes up now. We did Malice in the Palace and the Marty Fish story. And just really proud of, of what we built, disrupted, I think, the industry. And we raised over $60 million. And I learned a ton of lessons in building a company. And after raising that amount of money, I think one of the biggest lessons is not all money is created equal. And how do you really build a board? How do you build an advisory board? This was also at a time Players Tribune was one of the first opportunities where athletes were investing in companies. Now you see it all the time. There's, you know, dozens of athletes either have VCs or investing in companies all the time, which I think is incredible. We were a little early days for that, but I ended up leaving. It was right before the pandemic and then wanted to figure out what was next, essentially. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, an iconic resume, let's just start there, right? Your background and just, you know, the caliber of athletes that you've been able to work with through your different chapters. I mean, that is iconic in and of itself, but just to zoom in on the Players' Tribune for a minute here, Jamie, you know, you talked about lessons learned. And I guess as you reflect back on that chapter of the journey, and obviously as you've come into the gaming society for the next chapter, what are some of the other sort of major lessons or things you took away from the Players' Tribune days that have sort of shaped your approach to growing and scaling the gaming society? Well, firstly, the team that you build is so important. And like when you're building a company, the first like 15 people that started at Players' Tribune were responsible for all the wins throughout the years. Like that beginning team is so important and so special. Building a brand, which is not easy to do, um, is so important too. And like helping tell the story. And really just having conviction over consensus when you have an idea and believing in something is so important. Like, I can't tell you how many people I went and pitched this idea to and they were like, oh, so you're telling me you're building a company that's 100% reliant on athlete contributions. Good luck with that. And I just knew because I represented athletes for so long, I was like, I had been working 15 plus years to build just that type of company. I knew exactly why the athletes needed it and wanted to have their voice. I also saw the opportunity around how brands were spending money digitally and moving away from the transactional nature of working with athletes um, through endorsements. And so I think another area where the players should be innovated in addition to giving athletes a voice was how we connected brands with athletes through authentic storytelling and had a lot of great engagement. Like we were averaging four minutes on page and creating a lot of really great opportunities for brands to work with athletes without traditional endorsements. Some of the other lessons learned, just like I was saying, like how do you build a board? How important it is to have diversity on the board? How important it is to have people that are really engaged and committed and can bring things strategically to the table on the board? And just surrounding yourself with, with the right people. You know, It's really important as you're building a company to not take anything for granted to not think just because you're responsible for every win that your voice is going to be heard more than others. And so there were a lot of lessons. And I also think sometimes you don't even, I think maybe we even raised a tiny bit too much money in, in the beginning, but also learned a lot of really great things in terms of how to scale a company, how to build and how to move quickly and punch above our weight. Awesome. Well, I'm going to resist temptation to make this a podcast episode about the Players' Tribune. So let's Segway from there, um, you mentioned you sort of stepped away from the Players' Tribune around the start of the pandemic. Wondering if you can talk a little bit about just, I guess, the origin story now of the gaming society and kind of, you know, how did those initial conversations start? What was the opportunity you saw and kind of how did it all come together at the very beginning, Jamie? 
So right when the pandemic started, I kind of took a step back and was like, okay, well, now what? (laughs) Now what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And I think I probably spent the first month or two playing a lot of video games. Um, I like to play games. I have a twin brother. I was playing a lot with my nieces and nephews and playing a lot of Animal Crossing. But I kind of realized, well, first, we didn't know when we were going to go back to arenas or stadiums again. And it felt like there was a need for more social immersive experiences in sports. Like people watch sports. They like to be with their friends. And I felt like going on the gamification lens, I felt like there was a white space around mobile games and sports. I also felt like 65% in some of the research I was doing, 65% of women play mobile games. There are a lot, especially on the casino game front, there's a lot of very female centric. And it just felt like there was a lot of opportunity because there's also a lot of women sports fans that no one's speaking to. So while the company speaks to everyone, it's not just for women. We're very forward thinking and very inclusive when we when we look at our demographics and target women and younger emerging betters and younger audiences. But my my point is gamification felt like something that if you take what I did at Players Tribune and you add a gamification layer to it, it's such a great opportunity for engagement. And it felt like there was a, a white space around it. And as I was incubating this idea and calling it the gaming society, the betting industry was becoming the fastest growing industry in sports. It's the ultimate form of gamification. Problem is 80% of sports fans don't know how to do it. It's very intimidating. If you don't know how to bet, it's inaccessible. It's hard to just learn. And so that became the kind of like the aha moment of like, okay, everything that you're trying to do and to create that fan engagement tool and the gamification elements, it feels like what a great opportunity. 80 million sports fans that have an interest in betting don't have the tools to do it. And it's about to get legalized very quickly in different states. It felt like there was an opportunity for us to fill that gap and go after a market of people that aren't being talked to. Awesome. Well, that segues perfectly then into a bit of a deeper dive on the gaming society. So again, just maybe for the benefit of folks listening that may not be familiar with it, can you just start with a high concept overview, Jamie, of what does the gaming society do and just what's the overall value prop to the users? Absolutely. Prioritizing a few things as it relates to betting. So the first thing is education and creating a responsible way in. We have a vertical called the Betting Academy, which is a gamified masterclass where we want to give people the tools to be able to learn how to bet, but in a very safe way, in an inclusive way. And a big part of that is being driven by content and storytelling. So teaching and sharing who the people are to like look at and to care about, and then how to put a betting twist to it so that if you are learning how to bet or you do want to bet, we're giving you the tools to be able to make some bets or to be able to like start engaging we kind of look at it similar to like what Robinhood Snacks on the content side, what Robinhood Snacks does for Robinhood for finance, for investing. It's like, how do we do that by creating inclusive content, athlete point of view, um, and tools so that we can start making betting more accessible. And then my co-founder, I should mention, is Kevin Garnett, who I've known for a long time. I used to represent Paul Pierce and I, I got to know Kevin a little bit when he was on the Celtics. And we really connected on this idea also with regards to like betting being sports dirty little secret for so long and athletes having to stay so far away. How do we, well, first of all, I, I think it's important to have in a sports company that's in de- an endemic sports company to have athlete point of view. 
Um, I think it's a differentiator for us to have athlete voices from the beginning. And he just really connected on the idea of how do we make betting more accessible? How do we teach betting? Um, so many athletes don't know how because they had to stay away from it for so long. So that was so he he's my co-founder. And so that the academy is one vertical. The second vertical that we prioritize is called Bet on Women. And that's a partnership with the WMBPA. And the idea behind it is we're creating a movement to propel women's sports forward through the growth of the industry. Because we believe if you bet on women, you have to know who they are. And in addition, it's how do we empower women as betters to learn how to bet? So it's it, those are those are the priorities. I can get into a little bit deeper dive, but just to give you the overview first. Yeah, that's that's helpful context, Jamie. I guess just on the latter point around the the bet on women vertical, obviously, as you mentioned, right, that's a big focus, though not the only focus for the gaming society. But just wonder if you can sort of like contextualize the the size of the opportunity of betting on women in sport and just why you're excited about that opportunity and just sort of how, you know, the gaming society is well positioned to, to capture that opportunity. So I, we look at it a few ways. So one is, firstly, with the betting industry being so big, if you're an avid better, you'll bet on anything. $100 million was bet on ping pong in Colorado last year. And so for us, it's like, again, if you bet on women, you have to know who they are. How do we use the growth of the industry to make sure that people are betting on women's sports? But a big problem that we're seeing and something that we're really committed to is that there's not that much equity when it comes to lines and odds, partly because there's not that much as much data, as much sophisticated data available for women's sports, but also because it's a little bit of a chicken and egg in terms of the books making it available and the lines are not available in terms of understanding what the interest is. So one thing that we're trying to do is show that there's an interest. Women's sports fans, firstly, so if you're already a fan of women's sports, you're likely to be technologically savvy, you're driven by fandom, you know, you're, they're, they're a very loyal fan, fan base. And so we're really building out our community of these women's sports fans and getting the data to show that there's an interest. We're doing that through partnerships. We partner with the WNBA and, and we're their official free-to-play predictor game. So we launched it last year. We're going to do it again this season. And through that data, we were able to see that Firstly, through one of our games, we got the data that 65% of women sports fans have an interest in betting on the WNBA, but 50% of them don't know how, right? So how do we provide the opportunity, but then also create the accessibility and the education? And then the second part of that is if we're showing that there's an interest right now, you can go on our site and see what's on tonight in women's sports. If you go to the Bet on Women page, you can see what's on tonight. So the Maryland, Maryland's playing Iowa tonight. I can see where I can watch it on ESPN or the Big Ten Network. And then I can see what books have the odds available. So straight from our platform, you'll be able to see if the odds are available on FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars, and be able to go straight to the book to make that bet. So we really want to create that movement and start showing people how much interest there is in betting on women's sports and try to hold the books accountable to start making those odds and lines available. Um, so we're doing that through partnerships. We're doing that through content, through our newsletter, the Bet on Women newsletter. And and the opportunity is massive. We also just signed a partnership with UNLV and their research institute to start collecting more and more data around the opportunity and the need um, so that we have the the facts and the numbers to show that this can actually move the needle forward. Awesome. You talked a little bit about the 
the storytelling aspect of shining a light on some of these female athletes and really driving some of the betting and engagements on the back of that storytelling. So just curious, Jamie, if you can talk just from like a marketing perspective, how is the marketing of betting and, and the betting experience? How is marketing that to women different from or maybe similar to how we see it marketed to men and, and you know, all of the ways that we're used to seeing it over the last few years? Just how do you think about that and, and sort of how does that guide your work at the Gaming Society? No, I think that's a massive piece. So if one part of bet on women or one part of our priority is propelling women's sports forward, the other priority is talking to and empowering women as sports fans, right? Even in sports generally, there's not as much out there speaking to women. And especially in the betting space, whether it's the sports books themselves, whether it's media companies, everything's really targeting one demographic of avid bettors. And so we're trying to create inclusive content that speaks to a variety of people, but women specifically through the storytelling, right? Like part of what we're trying to focus on is empowering women as bettors and giving them the tools to be able to bet on women's sports. And right now, Everything that's out there in sports in general, but specifically in betting is really only speaking to one demographic it's, and it's avid sports bettors. So we're trying to create content through storytelling, but even through our brand, you can see it's a lot more accessible. There's not a lot of the brands that are out there are very masculine in, in the look and the feel and the colors in the way that it, that the stories are being told. And so that's a big piece of it. The other piece and why athletes, I think, are important for what we're doing is if you are going to bet on sports, how do we create the full picture? And Kevin likes to say, how do we bring a heartbeat to the data and analytics and give like if you are again, if you're going to make a bet, you can see what's happening with data and analytics, although we want to make it less intimidating for you to, to see. But how do you give the perspective of who's who's the ref of the game? What's the injury report? Was the team out last night celebrating LeBron's birthday? All of those things could play into making a bet and giving us, you know, that point of differentiation. You talked about the predictor game that you launched last season with the WNBA. And, you know, it sounds like it's scheduled to launch again for the new season. Just curious, Jamie, and I know, you know, you don't represent the WNBA, but just from your perspective, What's your sense of what betting as an activity represents to the WNBA as a fan engagement product? And just sort of how is the league looking at betting to really drive interest and engagement in, in their sport and, and their product? Well, that's what we're working to try to help them do. Like, I think everyone understands how much more engagement comes with betting, right? Like for me, even like I represented NBA players most of my career, I never spent every Sunday watching NFL Sunday and watching NFL games. Now that I've started betting, I'm watching the NFL all the time and, and I'm doing it through fun parlays, right? Like I can bet $5 on who, who's going to score the first touchdown of every game. Something very simple for someone who's not like in the data room, like trying to uncover all of these stats. And yet now I'm watching all the games just to see like how that unfolds and I can have fun with my friends and talk about it. That's applicable to every sport. And when you have that, especially if you're watching the games, whether it's live or or on TV, it gives you that the reason to stay engaged. And it also starts educating you. You're paying more attention to who the athletes are. So for the leagues in general, it's such a great opportunity, A, to onboard new fans of the sport. So going back to my comment about if you're an avid better, and especially during the summer when the WNBA is, is playing, there's not as much competition. It's just MLB and a few of, you know, the Women's World Cup will be exciting this summer. 
But there's a huge opportunity to onboard these new fans of the W of the NWSL. And then separately, like I was saying, the fan base is already technically very savvy. And so we're able to show with these predictor games. We did one of the games last August. We had over 18,000 sessions played for one of the games for the WNBA. And it was an average of four and a half minutes per session. So you can see how much engagement there is once people are playing. And it's a great way for brands to also activate with, with the different leagues and invest further, invest in women's sports. Awesome. In addition to that partnership with the WNBA, you made reference to your recently announced partnership with the International Gaming Institute at UNLV, which I understand the partnership is, as you said, based on researching women's sports and females engaging in sports betting. Can you just talk a bit more about that, Jamie, and sort of why you decided to commission, I guess, that depth of research and maybe any expectations around what you might, you know, what you might learn from the insights? Well, I think it's it's a lot of what we're saying we're finding through smaller focus groups or through like, you know, anecdotally. And for us to partner with the IGI on this, it will help us actually get real data to show for so when we're talking about women betters, we want to understand the best way to engage with women, the sports that they're interested in, the types of bets that they may make. Like for us, Again, I was saying storytelling is a big piece of it. A lot of our content is bettable and we're going all in on certain athletes. So prop bets is a really great, you know, way in parlays, like I was saying, and trying to like get the data out there. So for for when the books are targeting women, they have a better success rate. Because I think with casual bettors and maybe with women, especially if they're newer to the books, it may take a second. Like it's not that easy to sign up to a sports book, right? You have to put in your social security number. You have to put in, you have to link it to your checking account. Like there's a lot of steps that go into it. So if you're not someone that's been betting for a long time, who's really committed to it, it may be a process. So we're trying to give First of all, get the research, understand behaviors of women and give the books the tools to be able to onboard this huge market. Like there's a huge demographic of people that you're almost starting from scratch that it's a huge opportunity to onboard. And I think owning that data and being able to uncover it will help the books also target that demographic. Awesome. Let's shift a little bit here. Um, I want to talk about fundraising briefly. I think it was last April, the Gaming Society announced it raised $3.5 million, I believe, in initial funding. Can you just talk a little bit about, I guess, that fundraising journey for the Gaming Society and maybe some of the the feedback you heard from investors about the opportunity you're pursuing? And I guess also just reflecting on your comments at the start here about your journey with the Players Tribune and some of the fundraising decisions made there. Just curious, I guess, how that experience has sort of shaped the fundraising strategy in general for the Gaming Society. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, firstly, we have incredible investors. So we have Acquiesce with Edward King, Dan Fetters, and Chris Grove, who are like the who's who in sports betting and have validated our company and also are incredibly connected and and have such a great knowledge of the space. And then Andrew Siegel at TLI Bedrock, I've known for over 15 years. And that was a big piece of it. Like, so having a, the trust of someone, he used to run the VCR Makande Nast. And so having a trusted advisor who I, I know really well, who believes in me as a founder and believes in the company is, is critical. And then having acquiesces, like not only they believe in me and, and the company and the vision, but they can add so much strategic value together. They both, they both have strategic value and very complimentary as we're building our audience and focusing on audience growth. We also have this woman, Nikki Seingard, who just joined our board, who is 
like a genius when it comes to affiliate marketing, which is just one spoke in the wheel for us as we grow and, and grow our revenue streams. Um, but having people and surrounding us with people that really understand the space is critical. Awesome. And I guess just talking about the team around you, you just announced three huge name advisors. I'll just quickly name check here. First, we have Chelsea Gray, who's the current WNBA Finals MVP after the Las Vegas Aces won their first championship in 2022. You have Cheryl Swoops, four-time WNBA champion, three-time MVP, Hall of Famer, and somebody named Derek Jeter, who doesn't need my introduction. Just wondering, Jamie, if you can quickly talk about how each of them will be supporting efforts at the Gaming Society and just what it means to have, again, big names like this surrounding you on your team. You know, absolutely. So, well, Derek was a great person to bring on. First of all, I have a great relationship with him. I trust him implicitly. And we went through a lot building the Players' Tribune, right? So we learned a lot of lessons together. And he's also such a supporter of women, not only me as a co-founder, but he is the father of three girls. But he also is the first person in professional sports to hire a woman GM. And there currently is a GM on the Marlins, as well as the most senior person at the Marlins, I believe, is a woman. So they're the two most senior people. So having him a part of Bet on Women and what we're doing to bring resources together, a big part of Bet on Women is the community around women athletes and bringing resources and opportunity. Marissa Coleman, who played in the WNBA for 10 years after winning a championship at University of Maryland, she led the committee in Maryland to make betting legal and prioritize bringing diversity to people having betting licenses in Maryland. She oversees Bet on Women. And so her whole thing is like, how do we bring the network and community of athletes together? So for example, Elena Beard, who has been to a lot of our events as part of our, our council. She's working on bringing a team, a, fran a WNBA franchise, hopefully to Oakland. And so Derek spoke to her a little bit and connected with her. We're trying to bring our networks together to provide resource and opportunity. Chelsea Gray joined. We met, Marissa and I met, well, Marissa knows her. So obviously Marissa's network is very extensive and we're bringing people that she knows well and has shared sensibilities with. Um, but Chelsea came to one of our events in Vegas and just really connected with what we were building. And we did, um, we had a dinner with great people and sort of realized, like, especially with her playing in Vegas, being the MVP of the finals, what an opportunity this could be to help us propel women's sports forward. And also clarify the lines, like athletes, this is an industry being built around the athletes, but yet the athletes really can participate in meaningful ways for obvious reasons. And so we're trying to use gaming society as a way to clarify those lines so that athletes can benefit from the industry, but in the most responsible way. And so Chelsea is really a big part of how we're going to integrate with the WNBA and think about how our strategy is with women's sports. And then Cheryl Swoops also is like iconic. She's the GOAT. Kevin and her also have a really great relationship and have a lot of connectivity. And we talked about even doing some content with them together. Um, so we're really excited to have all three of them on board and think that they'll be very helpful in growing out our strategy for bet on women and women's sports. That's, that's awesome, Jamie. Um, based on you know your journey, your experience as a female entrepreneur in the sports ecosystem, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a little bit about that. And you know, for this podcast is one small subset of all of that. I've had, you know, 62 episodes now, maybe a half a dozen with guests that are uh, female founders. So I'm curious to ask you, Jamie, you know, what advice would you share with 
female entrepreneurs that are thinking of entering the sports ecosystem or the gaming or the online betting ecosystem. Just we need more good entrepreneurs in here. What can we do at the industry level to really compel smart entrepreneurs to to enter and join and really drive the growth of the industry forward? Um, well, I think speaking to women, I think that, you know, having the conviction in your ideas is just really critical and not listening to, you know, I think women have to have a suit of armor around them because it's subliminal. It's not going to be as obvious, but less than 2% of VC funding goes to female founders. So I think it's important for women just to have the right team around them and to, like I said, have conviction in their ideas and, be, and have a lot of confidence. For the industry, I think that you should be making more bets on women. I think female founders are incredible entrepreneurs that bring something to the table that a lot of their male counterparts don't in terms of brand building, in terms of building teams and working with teams, thinking differently. Um, it's a different perspective and it's an important one. And I think that having more founded companies by women is, is an important thing for the growth of the industry. Yeah, 100%. Looking ahead here, I guess, at the, the rest of 2023 ahead of us here, what are the major milestones you and the team are focused on for the Gaming Society? We're really focusing on audience growth and building our community and focusing on that community because the engagement is really high and we're excited about it. So doing a lot to activate around some of the big moments in women's sports this year. We're looking at March Madness, obviously. Um, but also the Women's World Cup and trying to innovate around how we build our audience, but activate around these events and really starting to like we're doing a lot of these boot camps, these betting boot camps where we can teach women and emerging bettors how to bet and have the tools going into some of these big events. So it's really fine tuning the educational piece and building out our audience that and giving women more tools to be able to bet on sports. And and then just looking at even more partnerships going into 2023 and 2024 um, to bring the betting academy experience to different teams and leagues, we think could really help not only onboard new fans to bet, but also with retention and keeping a lot of, you know, these books are spending so much money on customer acquisition. I think there's a really big opportunity for us to help with retention while giving these bettors the tools, the knowledge, and the fun ways to bet on sports. Awesome. Well, that takes us to my standard closing question. I'm not sure if you heard it, so I'll just quickly wrap it out here. If you weren't working on the gaming society or if you weren't working in sports at all or media or technology or in any of your past careers in a parallel universe, Jamie, what would you be doing instead? I feel like I would be flipping houses. I think that would be really fun. It sounds like it sounds easier than what we're doing in building companies. It just sounds fun for me, to me for some reason. But um but I don't know. I've been doing this my whole career. So obviously there's a reason I'm in sports. Yeah, 100%. And for people listening that want to check out the work that you and the team are up to and or get in touch with yourself, where can you point them towards to do all of that? So thegamingsociety.com. We're following us on social. We're LinkedIn. Myself, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but I feel like coming to our site, sign up for our newsletter. And the newsletter is a really great way to start and gives people, like I said, the, the way in from a sports betting lens. Awesome. Well, before I get out of here, Jamie, I just need to quickly mention as well, I had a reminder written down to ask you in October in Vegas, I was invited to your event. Thank you again for the invitation. I saw these amazing bet on women sweaters that people that were wearing. Where can I find one and when can I buy one and how many can I get? Amazing. Well, we'll have them on our site, hopefully by March Madness. Um, so within the, within the next month, we're going to make sure they're available. So that's, that's good. We're going to have to send you a care package. 
Awesome. Look forward to that. Well, Jamie, look, really appreciate the time today. It's been great for me to do this deep dive and learn more about what you and the team are up to and really wishing you all the best for the year ahead. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it.